have you all seen Disney's Inside Out? Yeah. Yes, okay. So you may recall that, that it proposes that there are five emotions that kind of run the individual, right? There's joy and sadness and disgust and fear, and let's not forget, of course, anger. If I remember correctly, anger doesn't get to control the human too frequently because when anger is in control, it seems like everything is out of control, which of course should never be a problem for the Christ follower because Jesus has taken the wheel. Jesus is the one who's in control. And so anger shouldn't be much of an issue, right? But here's the thing. Anger, and frankly all the emotions, still seem to rage throughout our lives. And so as we continue in our series titled New Year, New You, uh, we want to look at uh, this new, we're calling it disposition or temperament that is ours in Jesus. And so if you're visiting with us for the first time, we are in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're looking at the transformation that takes place when we surrender our lives to Jesus. Uh, There we're told that there are certain things that we put off, and new things that we put on. And one of those things is a new temperament or a new disposition. And Paul, in our text, seems specifically interested in one facet of our new temperament, that of our anger. And so tonight, we're going to look at how anger ought to play out in the life of the Christian. And uh, we are in Ephesians chapter 4, 25 to 32, but we're really going to zero in on verses 26 and 27. And from our text, I want us to, to look at, at three things all kind of related to fire, okay? So I want us to look at the flame, uh, the blaze, and the extinguisher, okay? So the flame. So what is anger? That is a real question. Someone tell me, what is anger? It's an emotion. Say more about it. Someone help him. What is anger? We all know what it is. What is it? Yeah. Upset, explode, uh, right? Rage. Um, it's, do you see my point, though? Anger is actually rather difficult to define. We typically point at, like, well, it's an outburst. It's an explosion. It's an intense emotion. A- and what we're saying implicitly there is anger is bad, right? Anger is actually not a bad thing. Uh, anger, like all of your emotions are a gift from God. He gave us our emotions to help alert you to what's happening around you and in you and give you a means to express that. And if you don't believe me, just look at verse 26, where Paul says that we are to be angry and do not sin. Now, this isn't some command to be like the Hulk who somehow is always angry. Rather, he's pointing out that it is possible to be angry and not sin, that you can be angry in a righteous way. And so what what determines its rightness or wrongness is really dependent on what's prompting our anger, because anger uh, is a secondary or conditional emotion. Uh, What that means is that something else has to be kicked or kick in for anger to show up. Think of anger kind of like a bodyguard for your convictions. So if someone is, is picking on you or, or something that you really hold dear is being attacked, anger shows up like a good bodyguard to defend that. 
And, and so the, the rightness or wrongness of anger is really dependent on what's driving uh, the, the dri- or causing anger to show up. Uh, let me try to make the point of what, that something always fuels anger. So a couple weeks ago, we took my kids to Disney on Ice, okay? We showed up about 15 minutes before it started, so it was a little busy around uh, the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. There were some people that were rather upset, specifically one individual who's trying to make, the le- make a left turn and the cops just wouldn't let him go. And so he is laying on his horn, and then he's like out the window gesturing and yelling, and this was like going on repeat for several minutes. This guy is clearly angry, but why is he angry? Rhetorical question, I'll answer it. (laughs) There could be a number of reasons, right? He he may be angry because he believes that his time is more valuable than everyone else thinks it is. Or or maybe there's an important meeting he's trying to make it to, and he's afraid that if he shows up late, it'll have horrible consequences. Anger doesn't just show up in a vacuum. Something else triggers it. So asking the question, why are we angry, is super important. Because anger is like, um, it's like a warning light. It's an indicator that something is going on in your heart, which actually means anger is neutral. Anger is just letting you know something's there. The thing that's causing it is what determines whether it's good or bad. But, but typically, anger falls in that bad category for us. It's Rather than a nice flame, it's a destructive blaze which is why Paul instructs us not to give uh, the devil an opportunity through our anger, because anger has a way of destroying our relationships, destroying our community. You can just see like the scorched earth of anger in people's lives. But what we have to realize is that anger is kind of like a multi-tool in that it, it shows up and causes destruction in a few different ways. Typically, we think of anger as like explosive anger, right? Where you, you just aim it directly at your offender. Though, though sometimes, let's be honest, we also aim it at those who are just close by, right? Like uh, you get a bad score on a test or you don't play well at the game. You're not going to take it out on your teammates. You're probably going to yell at your parents or your siblings. A- anger, at times, just explodes on people, right? And we, we look at that, oh, that's bad. But there's also divisive anger. Here's what I mean by that. Have you ever been hurt by someone, but rather than go yell at that person or confront that person, you go talk about it to all your friends? It's divisive anger. Because you act like you're going to them for comfort and support, but really you're just trying to slander them. You're trying to destroy them and their reputation. It's not as flashy or showy as explosive anger, but it does just as much damage, if not more, because it's harder to see. Now, you might be sitting there and thinking, well, I'm doing pretty good with this anger stuff because I just stuff it. I I just keep it to myself. Tragically, that's also destructive. It's a, it's a corrosive type of anger. How many of you are tasked with taking out the trash? Yeah, okay. <laughs> what happens if you don't take out the trash? It, it stinks. It overflows, and it rots. Your anger is the same way. You just keep stuffing things into the trash can, pushing it down, pushing it down, 
it's gonna stink. It's gonna sour your life and the lives of those around you. Do you, do you see the point I'm trying to make? Anger has such, is such a destructive force in our relationships, which is why Paul is so concerned about it. And the reason he's calling it out is because oftentimes we don't have a clear picture of our own anger. Oftentimes, we think our anger is righteous indignation, whereas everyone else just has a bad temper. And so it's really important that we step back and we ask, why am I, why are we getting angry in this specific situation? Is it because I want to be, appear powerful and competent, and whatever I'm getting angry at is preventing this? Is it because I am, uh, I don't want to appear fearful, or I don't want to be in an embarrassing situation? Uh, is it because I'm trying to obtain justice for myself on my ta- timetable? Is it because I'm seeking to accomplish my personal goals at the expense of others? In my experience, this is typically when my anger shows up, and perhaps that's true for you, you as well. Anger is a, a destructive force. And so the question becomes, okay, how do we deal with that? How do we as Christians deal with that? If, if change is possible because of Jesus, how do we change things? How do we extinguish the blaze? And the answer to that is actually wrapped up on how, in how God dealt with his anger toward us. See, unlike us, God was justifiably angry at you and I, because each one of us had committed treason. We have rebelled against the cosmic king. We have disobeyed him and his commands. And the last time I checked, treason is rightly punished by death. And yet Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 tells us that Christ gave himself for us as a sacrifice to God. He sacrificed himself by receiving the full weight of God's wrath that was intended for us. Now, why would he do that? And he didn't do it because he had to. As I said, God's anger was justified. Verse 2 tells us he did it because he loved us. He cares about us. He cares about you. And, And this is really the key to dealing with your anger. See, typically, under all those questions about why are we angry is one thing, our self worth We get angry because something is affecting our self-esteem and how we perceive ourselves. But with Jesus, we don't have to defend our value. We don't have to defend our self-worth because it's constant with him. It's not dependent on avoiding embarrassing situations. It's not dependent on how successful we are. It is dependent on what Jesus thinks about you. And chapter 5 verse 1 tells us what he thinks about you. You are his beloved child. That's the key to dealing with our anger. We no longer have to be defensive because our identity is secure in who Jesus is and what he says about us, his dearly loved children. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't get angry. But it now means that you do have an outlet for that anger. You can lament to God about it. 
Uh, lamenting is this fancy word for telling God how frustrated you are at a certain situation. You, you share with him in vivid detail what you're struggling with. And you use that time to reflect, not just on your situation, but on what God says is true about you. So lamenting is kind of like a lightning rod. It takes all that anger and its destructive power and it disperses it into the one who grounds our life. And so here's the point. Anger is not something that you can just get rid of. And frankly, you shouldn't try. But if you are a Christ follower, anger should look different in you. Anger is no longer a means to justify yourself and prove your self-worth because your self-worth is wholly wrapped up in Jesus' opinion of you, which, of course, is reinforced by his actions. And so Jesus changes even our disposition, even our temperament.